Thanks to Calm, the number one mental wellness app, for its continued support of another mother runner. Go to calm.com slash AMR. For a limited time, get 40% off your Calm premium subscription with hundreds of hours of programming, unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content added every week. Sweet dreams. Birch makes organic, non-toxic mattresses made in America and ships straight to your door with no contact delivery, free shipping and returns, and a 100-night sleep trial. Birch is giving $200 off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com AMR. When you activate your Birdie personal safety alarm with a quick pull, the alarm will emit a loud siren and flashing strobe light to help deter an attack. Right now, She's Birdie's offering our listeners 15% off their first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Liz Waterstrot. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I am good. I'm good. Six fresh off six miles and 13 cents. So and I didn't have 13. Yeah. Uh huh. I feel that's a good number in running, right? Uh, not really, but um, <laughs> I, I think I might have left a penny behind on that one. Oh, no. See, the college I went to, 13 is our lucky number. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to ask you where you went, Sarah. I just. <laughs> Dimity went there too. Colgate University. Woo! Uh, founded by 13 men with 13 dreams and $13 or something like that. So, well, if you should mail them 13 cents, I'm sure they'd appreciate that. <laughs> They're probably still calling you looking for money. <laughs> they probably are. They probably are. Oh, my goodness. So, hey, you were kind of fresh off a race, right? A triathlon. I did. I, I raced uh, almost two weeks ago. Yeah. Nice. Tell us about it. Uh, well, it was it was sort of a su- surprise race. Uh-huh. Um, I, you may or may not know, I was really sick in June. Oh no, I didn't know that. I'm um, sorry. Yeah. Well, I I was um, actually in the hospital for six days. I had sepsis. Oh my. And gosh. Um, I spent about three weeks doing nothing but you know, being on, I was on IV antibiotics and my heart was, this is how sick I was. My heart was beating at about 80 to hundred beats per minute at rest for like oh. two to three weeks straight. Oh my so, goodness. um, so then when I got back into exercising, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I kind of started slowly and I just got back into things and I had signed up for this race. It's a national championship Mm-hmm. And it was in Milwaukee. And so I thought, well, you know, sunk cost. I'm, I've already paid for it. It's an hour and a half away. My husband's doing it. So why not just go and do it? Uh-huh. And I can't say I was specifically prepared, but I also knew that, you know, if after 20 years of racing, I couldn't go as hard as possible for one hour, I probably haven't been paying enough attention. <laughs> so, so I just put myself on the start line and I said, let's, let's just see what happens today. And it was, it was great. It was everything you want from a race. It, it pushed me. The competition brought out the best in me. Uh, I ended up um, winning my age group. So um, oh, right yeah. On. So national champion. And that was really exciting. Wow. And, and tell yeah. us, dis- tell us distances. Oh, this was a sprint distance. Okay. So it was a 750 meter swim, a 20 K bike and a 5 K run. Mm, so you put the hammer down. Yeah, it was, 
it was hard. And, you know, I was right at that, like, I'll call it the the threshold of discomfort the entire time. <laughs> and I just kept thinking to myself, you know, when, when you have like a big life event, it, it puts everything in perspective. And so I said to myself, just, just be grateful that you're out here and that you get to push yourself like this and your body is responding well. And this is nothing compared to everything else in life you've worked through, you know, all that, that, that kind of like psychological chit chat that goes through your head when you're suffering. Um, so it, it was fun. It was great. Wow. That's awesome. And did your husband have a good race? He did. So he also won his age group. So oh. it was, and then he did a, a race. So the Olympic distance was the day before, and then the sprint distance was Sunday. So Olympic was Saturday. So he won his age group at the Olympic uh-huh. and the sprint. So that was sort of like a a dream, an athletic dream come true for him. So it was just, wow. it was just a good weekend for us. I'd and say so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Um, you know, but we have both worked hard over the years and um, yeah, but, but it all paid off. Nice. Nice. And did yeah. your mom watch the kids back home? She did. Yeah. That's and nice. they love it. They love going to grandma's house. They do. Uh-huh. They, she has different toys and, she has TV channels that we don't have. <laughs> she has a lot more snacks in her pantry. I was about to, I was sensing that oh, there was some good food there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Well, she has snacks and 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 sometimes junk food. Yeah, and maybe and some so ice cream. Uh-huh. They they come they come home and and she's always like, well, they they don't just don't stop eating when they're here. And I'm like, that's <laughs> because you just have like, I don't know, peanut M and M's and pretzels and you know like stuff that uh-huh, we don't yeah. really keep at the house, but because I would just eat it. Let's be honest. I would just eat it. I know better. <laughs> oh gosh. I remember, I remember when Dimity admitted that she doesn't even keep chocolate chips in the house because she said oh, she'd yeah. eat them. I'm like, yeah. wow, I could be locked in my house, like trapped in my house. And it wouldn't occur to me to eat the chocolate chips from the baking cabinet. Oh, oh no. See, I would be putting it in my oatmeal in the morning. <laughs> I would be. And then the problem with chocolate chips is they're so small. And you think to yourself, well, I can have a lot of these because they're really small. And then the whole bag is gone. And you think, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I love the, the incredulity in your voice. How did that happen? I don't know how this happened. Where did it go? And the kids are totally on to me. They know that if, if if their candy is missing, they know that I've eaten it. I'm sorry. I, I have like a candy and sweets problem. I'll admit it right here. I remember I had a, a candy drawer at my first real magazine job. And it was a magazine owned by a husband and wife. And they had one son I think Zach was like six at the time and he knew about my candy drawer. So he would come in and steal candy out of my candy drawer. And I was paid just like pauper's wages at this job. I mean, we all did it just for the love of the people we worked with and the topic and everything. It was a sports magazine. And so I I got really mad at Zach one time. I'm like, you go tell your mother that she owes me for those Swedish fish and junior mints that you eat. You go tell her now. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh man Ugh. i would have i would have stolen the swedish fish too <laughs> oh, they're so good they are so good authentic swedish fish you know you definitely i accept no substitute um you know uh cheap swedish fish are not where it's at 
Um, oh, yeah, that's what I would oftentimes eat on an airplane. Like I'd find like a little package that I'd squirreled away somehow. And now I think all my squirreled away candy in my purse has probably gone bad since I've been on a plane in <laughs> nearly two years. Uh, maybe it's time to clear out the purse. Um, anyway, but, uh, my family's going on a trip. We're not getting on an airplane, but we're going on a trip, um, tomorrow. Where are you, where are you going? Yeah, we're going up to Port Townsend, Washington, which is on the beautiful uh, Olympic Peninsula. So it's. Uh, oh, I know where this is. Oh, good. Okay. I wasn't sure everyone knew where yeah, the Olympic yeah. Peninsula is. Yeah. So it's west of Seattle. And, you know, you can see snow capped mountains in the distance, and there's water everywhere you look. And Port Townsend, Washington, I think I've talked about before because we go there, we have uh, family members there on my husband's side. So we've been there before, and it's one of three. Um, historic Victorian seaports um, that are still left, I think, in North America. Yeah, I think that's the right mm -hmm. stat. So it's just charming AF. And on the tip of nowhere, though, boy, it takes a long time to get there. And already my kids are like, oh, it's such a long drive, mom. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. it's worth it once we get there. So um, there's good running. Yeah. And I am very excited because I'm vowing to actually swim in the bay itself and the water is just as clear as tap water and it's cold but um i just like i don't know it makes me feel very alive to swim in cold water so as Good as everyone you. is my witness i'm gonna do it uh <laughs> Good for you be be careful yeah uh, there's got to be some critters in there oh yeah 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 i'm gonna stay very close to shore there's a nice we're staying at a um what used to be um a military base called Fort Warden and um, there's a beach there and they rent like paddle boards and I think kayaks and things like that. So I'm, and there's a pier that goes out. So I'm just going to swim parallel to the shore back and forth Good. or maybe just, maybe just back or <laughs> maybe just one way. But <laughs> <laughs> It's also okay just to dip your toe in and say not today. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't see. I'm going to go on Friday, which is my usual rest day. So anything that I do is kind of gravy. You know, I don't have to do a workout that day. Oh my day. gosh. Yeah, I relate to that. I relate <laughs> oh, to that. Oh, good. I thought yeah. you were going to like smack me upside no. head and be like, you're an idiot, Sarah. What are you talking about? No, uh, I get it. <laughs> and that kind of leads us into our topic. It is recovery. It's how to ensure that you set yourself up for success on your next run or workout by what you do after this workout. So it's always keeping that forward, your eyes cast forward to the next workout. So I want this to be part of our routine series because we haven't done an episode of that in a while, but it doesn't seem that a ton of gals have a recovery routine. So talking to you, Liz, and your Train Like a Mother Club cohort, Jennifer Harrison, the two of you, as you know, coach all our Train by Heart Rate running programs in the Talam Club, plus our triathlon programs. So after this break, uh, Liz, you'll switch from co-host to guest, which you've done before with uh, a plum and coach Jen will join us. So folks stay with us. During this ad break, let's take a break, take a deep breath, relax your jaw, drop your shoulders, unclench your hands. Another mother runner likes to remind you to take a little time for yourself. Our friends at Calm can help. We're longtime partners with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. Follow my lead by clearing your head and gaining insight with guided daily meditations. Improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. 
By going to calm.com slash AMR, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming with new content added every week. I really love starting my day on a calm note. I listen to the 10-minute daily trip meditation, a series led by Jeff Warren. It's simple and unfussy. Sometimes Jeff talks a fair bit, other times he only gives a few prompts. I really dug this morning's daily trip called Take a Break. It's simplistic, overarching theme. You don't need to solve all your problems at once. Not sure how calm knew, but that was exactly the message I needed today. I marked it as a favorite so I can return to it when the world is too much with me. For listeners of this show, Calm is offering a free limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash AMR. Go to calm.com slash AMR for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash AMR. Summertime makes me reminisce about visits to Connecticut to see my parents in the home where I grew up. When my three kids were younger, I'd take them out for two or three weeks at a time. Such lovely memories, except for sleeping on the mattress on my childhood bed. Ooh, my hips and back would be screaming well before we flew home to the West Coast. So I know the value of a quality mattress, like ones made by Birch. Birch makes organic, non-toxic mattresses produced in America with just three materials sourced straight from nature. Organic latex, New Zealand wool, and American steel springs. Birch mattresses are certified organic. Your Birch mattress is shipped straight to your door for free. You can buy with confidence because Birch offers a 100-night sleep trial. Give your Birch mattress a try. If it's not to your liking, return it for free. But I know you'll like it. Then rest easy. A Birch mattress has a 25-year warranty. Jack and I appreciate how firm our Birch mattress is without being hard. A crucial distinction. I feel supported and my hips, back, and all my joints feel good during the night and when I hop out of bed for my workout. We added a Birch plush organic mattress topper for a little extra cush. So if you're looking for a mattress, check out birchliving.com slash AMR. Birch is giving $200 off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash AMR. That's $200 off all mattress orders and two free EcoRest pillows. Get this great deal by going to birchliving.com slash AMR. B-I-R-C-H living.com slash AMR. Alleviating concerns and worries allows you to relax and enjoy what you're doing, whether going on a run, exploring someplace new on vacation, or starting college. With Birdie, you can live your life with added peace of mind. Birdie is a personal safety alarm designed to be easy to carry and simple to use. A Birdie is the size and shape of a regular keychain, yet when you activate your Birdie with a quick pull, the alarm will emit a loud 130 decibel siren and flashing strobe light to help deter an attack. I confess, I haven't sounded the alarm, yet I know it's 130 decibels, which I looked up. That's as loud as a chainsaw or a clap of thunder. Unlike pepper spray, mace, or other deterrents, Birdie is no danger to you, and Birdie goes wherever you do. The alarm has a brass keychain so you can attach it to your keyring or purse. It stows easily in the pocket of your running shorts or capris. Birdie was created by two moms, in part because they wanted their kids to be safer when they headed off to college. I've given a birdie to each of my three kiddos. They all liked having a choice of five colors. I like that I feel I empowered them in their safety. Right now, She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off their first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash AMR. Go to She's Birdie, which is spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash AMR for 15% off your first purchase. And there's Jen waiting in the wings. Guys. 
Hello. How are you? I'm great. Listening to your amateur hour of uh, eating three chocolate chips today. I am a professional candy chocolate eater. So yeah, yeah. I was listening to that talk. Listen to you guys. I'm like, okay, we need to have a, we need to have a podcast just on how to eat. Well, and and c- candy. I gotta say, I think the the quality of candy has slipped so greatly that it doesn't entice me as much as it used to. Like you really yeah, got- no, I don't. No, but there's a lot of other things that entice me. I keep it all in my house, but because my kids now, my kids are leaving soon. So thank God that crap will go with them, but I can leave it in my house and not eat it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So you, you okay. can be, you can be locked in the house and, and not turn to the chocolate chips for comfort. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't right. eat chocolate. I, yeah. It doesn't interest me. So it's, yeah, it's, but it's, you know, I, but I do like sweets and I, if I don't have something in the house then I start losing my mind, yep. but when yep. you guys were talking about Elizabeth's mom, Janet, who was watching the kids, that's exactly the same rodeo I was on with my mom. And when she watched the kids, when my kids were younger, she'd take them to McDonald's, they'd come home, yeah. they'd have shit all over. And my mom, I was kind of complaining to my mom one day and she looked at me in typical Janet, my mom's name is Janet too, typical <laughs> Janet format. And she goes, you've got two options. I can give these kids whatever I want to, or you don't get a babysitter, pick one. I'm like, okay, fine. And that was it. I never said another <laughs> word. And my kids, you know, my kids basically grew up at McDonald's and uh, Chick-fil-A. oh my goodness oh my goodness well i know we could probably talk about this the whole time but uh the two of you i'm delighted to have you on i adore talking with the two of you so um but before we dive into that jen you need to tell us about your swim race from a few year weeks ago weeks ago because i am still utterly impressed by that oh gosh (laughs) My little tiny swim race compared to Elizabeth's sprint national title. <laughs> did you guys talk about that earlier? We did. We did. We did. <laughs> okay, good. I didn't want this to be Jen wins a local swim race and Elizabeth. Elizabeth <laughs> doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, thank you, Sarah. That's kind of you. I, I was, I raced a little bit with a chip on my shoulder because this is a, uh, it is a local race, a smaller race, an aquathon that I've done uh, every year since they've had it. And it's like one of my babies, I sponsor it. My friend was the race director, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's an off-road. So it's a sprint aquathon, which is a 500 meter swim or 5k run or Olympic aquathon, one mile swim, 10k run or two mile open water swim. And I've done the sprint in the Olympic. And the last time I did it pre COVID, I hurt my foot like mm. basically Achilles on it's totally off-road rocks mm. it's it's a kind of a little bit stupid and I overran <laughs> in order to win that race uh-huh. um and I paid for that for a long time so I promised myself that I would not race the run portion of this two-mile swim race I would just do the two-mile swim race but that's really not my passion I I'm sw- passionate about swimming but it doesn't interest me to race an open water swim race it's mm. I, it's not my thing so I had a chip on my shoulder and I'm like fuck it. I'm going to, Oh, sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to go and I'm going to win the whole thing. Try to, and try to hang out with the guys up front. Cause they're usually a handful of really, really pure good swimmers show up. But anyway, I went out and they just took the worst line possible. Um, on the first buoy it's two miles. It ended up being just short of a half or excuse me. Yeah. A full Ironman swim. So a full Ironman swim is 2.4 miles. So wow. this ended up being like 2.1 or 2.2. Wow. Which is great. The longer, the better for me oh. and, and in a swim race and the guys start fading. And I just, well, so I was in a small pack up front, but I, they were just going too slow. 
And oh. I'm like, okay, just sit here. I'm not a very patient uh, front short course racer. So I'm sitting there going, okay, this is kind of slow. So finally I just decided at about a thousand meters in just to, 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 to go around everybody and go up to the kayak who was leading the race. Uh -huh. So I did that. I just took the line and, and that, that was it. I sprinted the let, not sprinted, but pushed the last 300 meters hard. Cause I had a guy drafting off my feet the entire time, which is oh, fine. That's, uh -huh. I thought he was going to sprint me, but I knew who it was. Oh. Um, it's a guy who actually swam at Navy. Wow. He's older now, but he's a phenomenal swimmer. And in the pool, I can barely kind of hang on to him, but for some reason he just didn't have it that day. So uh -huh. I ended up coming out of the water first and yeah, it was kind of fun. Nice. Wow. Felt great. Yeah. That's so exciting. So exciting. And now you, you've passed that verve. Both of you have passed that along to Dimity. And so then she crushed that um, swim that she did in the reservoir in Colorado. So um, yeah. yeah, take it and pass it on. Um, all right. Well, so let's talk about stuff that you do after your workout. That term recovery can be broad and vague. So tell us in a nutshell what we mean by that word in the context of runners and why it's an important part of a training program or even running for fitness or fun when you don't have any race on the horizon, which is um, me these days. So, you know, whether somebody's on a training program or whether they're exercising just to get out of the house and have some fresh air, what's the importance of recovery and what is it? You want me to jump in? <laughs> sure. <laughs> there's a usually Sarah first of all yeah. usually Dimity tells which one of us to talk <laughs> we're like puppets we're like we're puppets. just waiting <laughs> uh, see Elizabeth if I could see Elizabeth we yes. have this twin to, to tell yeah, us we, you know like yes. we could know exactly what each other's thinking so yeah. that's why there was a little pause there so Elizabeth you take this one I'll take the next one and then okay. we'll, we'll be rolling okay. so all right what is recovery so recovery is where the adaptation takes place. So it's the space between your workouts where fitness is gained. And it's important for people to understand that, you know, gaining fitness is not really rocket science, right? You apply some stress and then you recover, you apply a little more stress. But if you just keep applying stress and never recovering, you, you don't really gain fitness or you do gain fitness and then you stop gaining fitness because you're getting injured, stale or sick. So Recovery is just that space between the workouts where honestly the magic happens. Mm, mm. So, all right. I love that. That's where the magic happens. So what, what can recovery entail, Jen? Um, <laughs> the, the things that spring to my mind are refueling or nutrition, foam rolling, sleep, wearing compression gear, maybe massage. Yeah. So recovery, if you look at the whole recovery umbrella, recovery starts before you even start the workout. Mm. So for example, if I'm going out or having my athletes go out and do a long run on a Sunday morning, and let's say they have to get up just for what they're doing, they have to get up and they have to go into the car and drive to their run, or even if they're at home, making sure that they're eating something before their run. And people are probably listening going, well, what does that have to do with recovery? That's fueling for the run. Yes. But in the big picture of life, what we're trying to do in this training cycles are put together consistent back-to-back -back successful training days. And mm. in order to do that, we have to eat, fuel, and hydrate into these workouts, or else we go into the workout depleted. We do the workout in a depleted state. Let's say we don't take food or fluids after the workout, then we're depleted. And it's this vicious cycle 
of not recovering, allowing our body to recover well, because then it leads to stuff like getting injured, not eating enough, not sleeping well, because we're under fueling at night and we're waking up in the middle of the night hungry. So mm. I start with the basics, eating something before you work out, training, fueling during that, and then having your recovery meal or recovery drink planned out after the workout. So for, for example, if it was me to make this pretty specific, for an, I would eat my pre-race meal, do my run, and then I would have my recovery drink, which has 20 grams of car, sorry, 20 grams of protein in it immediately, literally as I'm, as I'm stretching, as I'm walking to finish my run, hmm. I don't necessarily want to drink that. It tastes horrible. <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, that's the thing. I think people are like, oh, gosh, what are these people eating? What are the secrets? There are no secrets. It's like college. Just drink it, <laughs> chug it, get it down. Right. Because I don't want to drink another more of this sugary, you know, whatever. So anyway, that's, that's to me, that's the most important part of recovery and people don't think about it. Everybody's thinking about foam rolling and massage and all that. Of course, that's important. And of course, you know, we can talk about the, of how important that is, but it starts with proper fueling and hydration before, during, and after your workouts. Wow. Okay. That's an eye opener. Cause that's interesting because you know, the, it seems like the pendulum always swings from, should I eat before a workout? Should I not eat before a workout? So you all are definitely making that pendulum stay over on the eat before your workout. Have yeah, something. Our pendulum never started with okay. fasted workouts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I say that, I say that lovingly. Uh, yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> um, so, and, and as you've indicated, recovery is not just about making sure you don't feel sore after a workout or that, um, you know, you don't hobble around your office, you know, after your long run or something like that, but it's about setting yourself up for your next workout. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all connected. And that's, that's one thing that I emphasize with my athletes is you need to look at the big picture of what you're trying to achieve here. So you want to string together what's going to make you as fit as possible. It's stringing together the most consistent, you know, training possible. And to do that, you need to have no holds. So no holds, meaning you can't have a day where you're under fueled or you miss your, like Jen was talking about that window after your workout, um, or you didn't have a good night of sleep. So that consistent training is what's going to make you really, really fit. So that's where, you know, recovery in addition to now, of course, we're assuming everybody is following a smart training plan because that's mm -hmm. a big part of recovery too, is doing like, like I said before, applying the right amount, right amount of stress at the right time, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and not just going out every day and hammering yourself. And this is where the heart rate programs work beautifully because mm -hmm. the recovery really is built into that training plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In a, in a way it's built in, not only with the time that you're not exercising, but with the ease of the, yes, exactly. of the, yeah. Yeah. Could you talk a tiny bit about that as well? That, um, that sure. recovery is kind of about not going hard every time. Right. And, you know, I think when people just go out and train by feeling, which certainly there is nothing wrong with that. And it works for a lot of people. The, the problem is, is that a lot of times like our inner dial doesn't really work very well, or a lot of people use running as their way to blow off steam. And so I think most people inherently go a little too hard 
most of the time. And then when it's time to really go hard, they can't go hard enough because they've just been going like that middle ground, Mm -hmm. you know, like up-tempo effort all of the time. Mm -hmm. So when you have a metric that's involved, so that could be following a heart rate zone or doing more of like a Jack Daniels pace type of approach, Mm -hmm. you get a little more range. So you're going hard on the hard days, but you're also going easy on the easy days. And so that's where I would say the recovery is built into the training plan because we're helping you, you know, keep those easy days truly easy based on who you are and where your fitness is currently at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Jen, that's, that's also part of the whole, um, you know, don't do two hard workouts two days in a row type thing. So could you, Jen, talk a little bit about the rest and the timing of workouts as they relate Absolutely. to recovery? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to what Elizabeth said, um, an effective training program has a flow, a, a right rhythm and flow to it. And successful training is ryth- rhythmic. And it's kind of like successful swimming, frankly. It's rhythmic. So with within that rhythm, we have easy and hard days. And what people do wrong is that they make their easy days way, like Elizabeth said, way, way too hard and their hard days never hard enough. So everybody's kind of in what I call this gray zone. Mm -hmm. It's almost like where they're all, everybody's riding moderately all the time. And, you know, we're tired. People are tired. People are tired from working, managing kids, all the COVID stuff and, uh, you know, all the, everything, everybody, kids are just going back to school now and the stress of, you know, they're going to be in math, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So it's really important that when you plug into your training plan, you plug into the goal of that day and you accomplish that workout with the intention of the workout in mind. And if you're not clear on the intention, ask, Mm -hmm. but keeping easy, easy so that it allows your body to recover properly so that the next day you can go hard. Now, some athletes can do two hard workouts in a day. Absolutely. But then the next day has to be easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And this ebbs and flows with experience and age and all that other stuff. But that's kind of the rhythm of, of recovery is so much people just think it's massages, like I said, in the beginning and, (laughs) and, and fueling, but here's another layer of it is executing the training plan appropriately. Yeah. I remember I had a coach, um, when I was training for the marathon that ended up being my PR and she told me at the beginning of the training cycle, she said, I'll never be impressed. If you come back and tell me you went faster than the prescribed workout set to go. And I'm like, Oh, cause I like impressing my coach. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that was a good, you know, that was a good way to kind of keep the ceiling on saying, listen, if, it's, if we say all out, well then by all means go all out. Yeah. But on the other days, your easy runs should be very easy, you know, and, 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 and what does easy mean? And I think people don't understand what easy means. So like yeah. Elizabeth said, you need some metric to that, yeah. whether it's a pace, heart rate, or very experienced athletes can do it based on perceived exertion, but you have mm-hmm. to be pretty experienced to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then um, Liz, talk a little bit about, um, a true rest day versus taking like a half hour walk or a yoga class. Do you feel sometimes people are not doing recovery or rest or their body justice by not taking a day of just no physical exertion? I think it really depends on the person. You know, I think that when you look at something like yoga or a gentle walk with your friend. Those are all what I would consider restorative 
activities. So they work on a part of your nervous system that's going to just bring everything down as long as you personally find them relaxing. Now, I'm not saying go for a 10 mile hike with your friend on a really aggressive trail or go and do hot yoga for 90 minutes. That is stressful. But if we're doing like a flow yoga, very gentle, or just, you know, you're walking your dog with your friend around the neighborhood, that kind of stuff is okay. It's just when, when it's, it's stressful, you know, you really do need rest in order to gain fitness. And, you know, for some people that does mean a true rest day, but I get it. We all kind of have this itch to move. Just be sure that your moving isn't adding more stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I'm glad to hear that my Friday morning walks with Augie are sanctioned. Um, so my, friend, my French bulldog, they're very slow. Uh, walks are very slow. Uh, lots of sniffing. How far does the bulldog walk? Augie... <laughs> um, Gosh, I saw someone the other day, this is not an answer to your question. I saw a man riding his bike while quote unquote walking his dogs. And one of them was a French bulldog and they were just running alongside him as he rode his bike. And I was like, oh my gosh, Augie would become like a disc that you were dragging behind you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, um, Life goals right yeah, there. I mean, it can take us, um, 20 minutes to go half a mile or three quarters of a mile, maybe. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. So lots of sniffing, you know, when your face is that close to the ground, there's a lot to sniff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so let's talk about the timing of recovery and, and looking at, I'm going to cite foam rolling. Cause that's, um, I really see a lot of benefit from foam rolling for myself. So the time that it fits best into my schedule is first thing in the morning before my run to work out the kinks that I feel when I wake up. So does that count as recovery? Yeah, I mean, it it definitely does count as recovery. I mean, we, you know, we call it run prep, Mm -hmm. um, but it absolutely, it's all under this umbrella to keep the athlete healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing in my opinion, more important than, you know, like pre-dynamic stretching, pre-dynamic mm-hmm. run drills, um, a little bit of foam rolling. The thing, the only thing with foam rolling is you just have to be careful and make sure you're not over aggressive on the foam roller. Some people respond really well to foam rolling. Um, Sarah, you sound like you do. I can do it without really any issues. Elizabeth, who is half of our, you know, size, half of our yeah. size, little tiny, <laughs> yes. she doesn't respond as well to, uh, I think I'm hopefully not putting words in her mouth, but I think she doesn't respond as well to the foam roller if it's too aggressive. So you have to kind of make sure it fits with, within your range of recovery. If you feel better after your foam roll, then absolutely do it. Um, and there should be a, there should be prep before your workouts. It's just like putting the whole athlete together. And it's part of this routine that we're trying to establish with keeping athletes injury free, healthy, and being able to repeat a workout the next day, you know, back to this consistency. So I am a fan of, of the stretching, the foam rolling. I'm a huge fan of massage. Now people don't love it, but um, it's something that is the only thing that kind of keeps me in, in one piece. So all of it together equals successful recovery in my opinion. Yeah. So you mentioned stretching, Jen. Um, so, I mean, how does stretching fit into the oeuvre of recovery? I, I adore dynamic stretches and drills after a run. I swear that that's what keeps me feeling good. It's what keeps me from being able to 
you know, not hobble around when I get up from my work chair for after sitting for too long, that sort of thing. So, I mean, but should you ever do kind of the old fashioned Jack LaLanne type stretches or should it always have that dynamic quality to it? Yeah, you know, pretty much for the for the most part, and there's always exceptions to the rule, but to, for the most part, it, it, things need to be dynamic. Things mm-hmm. need to be fluid, dynamic, um, stretching, you know, hip circles and, mm-hmm. and um, fire hydrants where you're moving, you know, those kind of things are considered under the block of stretching too, mm-hmm. um, getting you ready to, to run. Or afterwards, I always stretch after I run too. Um, <clears throat> not as good after I bike, but after I run. Mm-hmm. And those tend to be a little bit more dynamic because I'm warmed up. The other mm-hmm. thing I've had to do as a master's, maybe a little plus on there, athlete, (laughs) is that I have to warm up, I have to do pre-warm-up running drills. Uh I I go for, let's say, 10 minutes, or I walk for a little bit, five Uh or 10 minutes, Okay. and then I have to warm up five or 10 minutes, and I'll stop and stretch. And by stretching, I just mean, you know, moving the hips around a little bit, stretching the calves, just to make sure everything's kind of in place. And, and, And that will change as people age, you know, um, and, and things just don't, there's just, you lose that elasticity and that bounce. And so in order to kind of maintain that, in order to maintain that, you have to, you know, just do a little bit more work. It's totally okay. But I think one of the first things I wasn't really prepared for how much time the whole thing takes, you know, 10 or 15 (laughs) years ago, I just run out the door. Okay. I'll be back in an hour. hour, I'd run in the house, feed two baby, you know, feed two kids and, and get on to the soccer games. Now it's a whole production. Okay. You know, I need 20 minutes to warm up. This is, I'm not exaggerating. I need an hour to run. I need 20 minutes to get my SHIT together when I get back because I start, you know, whatever it is. And so you, you have to adapt to what your body's telling you, you need. Um, I think that's really important. Um, And I massage, I, I, I am a, I do massage every other week in the race season and every week leading up to my big race. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I have to. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And Liz, are you as much a proponent of, of massage? No, <laughs> no. Interesting. It, it's, it's okay. So all of, all of these, these things, so the foam rolling things like compression boots, compression socks, I'm not aware of too much research that says, this is the ticket. This is the thing you have to do. But most of these things have a really strong belief effect. So if mm. you think they help you, they will. And it's, it's totally a personal preference. And, you know, like, like Jen was saying, foam rolling for her, a good thing. Foam rolling for me just makes me really sore. I don't know why. Maybe it's the way we're built or our, our, our muscle fibers. Um, but I think it's worth exploring, you know, trying some of these different things for yourself. And yeah. if you feel like it helps, then keep doing it. For me, massage the next day. Well, first of all, I don't like laying there with my face down. It makes me all stuffed up. And then I feel like I can't breathe. And then it makes me panicked. And so like the whole idea of getting a relaxing massage, I don't get it. I just feel like I can't breathe and I want to blow my nose the whole time. <laughs> so like, it's not relaxing to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the next day I wake up and I feel really sore and achy and huh. worse than I did the day before. So for me, it doesn't work for other people. They swear by it. They do it once a week. You know, they, they love it. It's their me time. Uh So it's just about finding 
what works for you and what do you like doing? Because if you like doing it, you will keep doing it and it's sustainable and it will help. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And let me be clear. I totally agree. And this is, this is really, really important and really good that Elizabeth brings that up because what works for one athlete def definitely doesn't work for another athlete. And, and that's important, but I will say not one moment of my massage is relaxing. So I don't want people to think I'm like having hot tea and laying there listening. Now, my massage therapist, who's a good friend of mine, plays sappy 70s the entire time because I am absolutely obsessed with it. That's the only relaxation. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm basically in tears as she digs into to everything. But but like Elizabeth said, if, it, if you think it works, it will work. But I'm on the other extreme. I love my boots. I love compression gear. I love massage. I love active release. And Elizabeth doesn't like any of it. So you have to find what works best for you. There's no um, magic bullet answer for recovery. Wow. Wow. That's fine because um, this is related. Our neighbors across the street have, um, a, we're here in the city. And so space is at a premium. They have a beautiful double lot and they just left on a, a big vacation. So they have me water their plants when they're gone. So that's what I now will be doing for the next two weeks after my runs. And when I went over there, I was like, oh yeah, this is like recovery for me to like, you know, be bending down to fill the watering can and lifting it up and walking around and just kind of doing some little simple movements and enjoying the flowers. And I was like, yes. I'm, I'm counting this as recovery. <laughs> and anything also that gets me to stop sweating profusely before I walk in the house. I was like, okay, I've dried off a little bit. That feels better. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay, Jen, you touched on the, you know, the getting older thing. Um, Liz, you're, you're younger. You're still, you're still in your forties. So, I mean, <laughs> how, how I do love you... that I'm the poster child for 50 plus now. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like my new, my new banner in life is, is, uh, People, I literally, I get phone calls or emails. Now that you're 50, do you think you can answer these questions for me? Like, I'm an expert all of a sudden. Yes. Right, right. this important to, line you cross. talk about old people now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so in the, let's have the youngster Liz, who's, you know, still in her 40s. I mean, have you, have you found that recovery has had to change for you in your 40s? I know because my 40s were my glory times. And, you know, that's when I could run seven days a week, <laughs> never have to do any dynamic stretching. I hadn't discovered the great, you know, Asian massage therapist, none of it. Um, well, keep in mind, my athletic age is a little bit older than yours, as I've been an endurance athlete since I was 24. So th that means that now I'm elderly as an endurance athlete. And yeah, my recovery really changed. And I find that you know, most women, it starts changing in their late 30s to early 40s. And this is just because our hormones start changing. Uh, and, you know, we have different life demands and other other stuff builds up. But um, you'll, you'll definitely notice a shift as you get older. And it doesn't mean you can't work hard. I mean, hey, I, I'll go out there and, and I can still hammer out hill repeats, mm -hmm. but I'm not going hard the next day, you know, mm -hmm. or <laughs> I'm I need to be really careful about just having all my details in place. So eating really well, you know, I went and did hill repeats today. First thing I did when I came home, put food in my mouth, making mm. sure my hydration is on track the rest of the day, making sure I do the best I can to sleep well tonight. So all of that stuff, it just gets amplified. It matters even more as you get older. 
And by the time you're Jen's age, I don't know. I mean, like she can work out hard maybe once a week. And then, and then she needs a week off and she sits in her boots. That's all she does. And eats candy. Uh. Oh, yes. I eat candy and, and answer emails. Yeah, that pretty much sums up my life, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh my, oh my goodness. So Liz, you touched on sleep in that and we haven't really talked yeah. too much about that. So whichever one of you wants to talk about the importance of sleep and, or how about also each of you talk about how, admit how much sleep you do get a night. Uh, I will gladly talk about sleep. So sleep is the one thing I never compromise and hmm. really think this is the difference between people who do workouts and people who gain fitness and progress from their workouts. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, um, they get like five hours of sleep and they're getting up early to cram in their workout. And, um, I'm not that person, mm -hmm. you know, I know that some people have to get up that early, but then I think you need to back up your going to bedtime. And, um, the sleep is just so important. It is something you should not skimp on. I do my best to sleep over seven hours a night. Um, my body naturally wakes up, naturally falls asleep, but I keep it really consistent. So every day I'm going upstairs at the same time to go to bed. Usually find that my body wakes up at the same time every morning. Um, you know, I, I set up my room for success for sleep. Mm -hmm. There's two fans going, it's absolutely <laughs> freezing in there. Um, I have no problem admitting my husband most of the time sleeps in a separate room because he wakes up at 4.30 and I do not wake up at that time. Wow. I do not sleep with kids. I drew a hard line there. I know people sleep with kids. They love it. It works for them. It does not work for me. My kids know that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you just, you have to be really protective of your sleep. And as moms, I feel like that's the first thing that we kind of let go. And I think it's, it's so important for your overall health. I mean, we've all... Mm -hmm been sleep deprived. And you know, like that is the one thing that can just push you to the edge of insanity is to mm -hmm. not get sleep over and over again. You can function, mm -hmm. you can do workouts, but man, it does not feel good. And you are not gaining good fitness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Jen, I know we've talked about it with you at the retreat. Everybody just take a seat back. Jen Harrison's going to talk about her sleep routine now, which <laughs> Starts at about 2 p.m. <laughs> oh, my God. I actually sometimes feel like the biggest loser when I have to talk about this. It's not. First of all, I just want all you to know that I love my social life. But the biggest hit of my training is my social life because uh -huh. you just you can't have both. And I think athletes now, if you're out and your goals are. Um, you know, I want to, I want to complete this race. I want to do the best I can then fine. That's awesome. And those goals are fantastic. But if you're coming to a plan and coming to a coach or a coaching group and, and you want to win this race or PR by 10 minutes or whatever it is, you not need to make sure that your goals match mm -hmm. what you're going to be executing day in and day out. Mm -hmm. A lot of people's expectations and goals do not match what they're doing every day. Hmm. So they're putting, you know, starts with, you know, crap in the body or whatever, but it all comes down to sleep. So I'll have athletes that, well, I really want to, you know, win my age group at this race, but then they're out all the time, not just on one random Saturday night, having a good time, but they're out till 12 o'clock 
a.m. every night or they're sleeping and they're repeating and they're stressed at work. Remember, your body can't differentiate stressors. Mm -hmm. So if you're throwing work stress at it, life stress, which includes your children and um, training stress, you just have once one bucket of stress and we can only manage it so, so well until we fall all fall apart and we have a breakdown and we've all been there before. And it usually is stem from lack of sleep. So just like Elizabeth, I am, I mean, a complete freak about my sleep. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit, if you've had my mother on this podcast, my God, <laughs> it, it's actually, it's, I probably need to see a therapist. <laughs> I mean, I probably do at some level because I just, it's a game changer for me. I can't work out if, I, no, I can't train effectively if I don't sleep. I don't need a lot of sleep. I'm like Elizabeth. I, I usually go to bed at the same time. But I will say it's been a challenge for me having teenagers. Mm. It, you know, you go through the cycles of life where it's challenging to sleep when you have little kids because you you don't have you time. Mm-hmm. Well, now I have kids that potentially could sleep all day if they wanted to, if I let them, but they're not, you know, they come home at 12 or one o'clock in the morning because these are 19, 20 year old children, young adults, man childs. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they're up there with their friends. And so that has been a little bit of a challenge for me, but I, um, yeah, I have a hard line with, with it. Cold room, same time to bed, same time to sleep, uh, get up about the same time. I'm an early riser, my, mm-hmm. my preference. Um, lots of fans. Husband lasts usually about 10 to 15 minutes every night in the, in the room. And I'm like, okay, everyone, so one of us has to leave. Who's leaving kind of a thing. And I love my husband, but it's rough because he's, you know, he's snoring or whatever. And I'm like, I just don't have a lot of patience. There's very few people in this world that I can, I can share a hotel room with. Elizabeth's one of them, very few. Uh, uh, and my sister is the other one, very few. <laughs> uh, um, earplugs, you guys are earplugs, uh, eye shades. No, yes. No, no, that's, I, no, no. no. My earplugs just fall out of my ears. Um, eye shades, no, my husband does that. He's, he looks like a princess when he sleeps. He's got the mask <laughs> on. And so 50 bucks in the picture. <laughs> no I don't do anything either um I do sleep with a pillow over my head but that's it no other like devices sometimes sometimes if I'm with the family the four of us and we are traveling together in a, in a hotel room and we had when they were younger we had share room yeah, yeah I would put my earbuds in and put the fan on that there's an app a fan app oh and I'll put the fan app see if I can find the app. I'll see if I can find it for you guys. If anybody's interested, there's an app that plays low, medium and high fan white noise, noise the whole time. Oh my gosh. And I've been known to do that many of times traveling with the family. Yeah. I, I did that when we were staying in hotels in Europe a few years ago, just being like, okay, I got, and I didn't have earplugs. I just played it on, I put my phone underneath my pillow and just played it loudly. And I'm like, yeah, sucks for you, Jack. You're going to have to hear this. If you wake up from your, from your deep sleep in which you're snoring so loudly. Uh, (laughs) um, So should, so both of you are fresh off amazing races or fairly fresh off them. Does your recovery change after a race compared to after a workout? Um, this came up as kind of a semi-joking topic with my running buddy, Trisha. We, she ran a marathon on Sunday and um, she wanted to tell me all about it. So she, we were like, okay, we can't go running. And I was like, okay, let's go swimming. Cause then we would carpool. And so we would get to talk to and from the, 
the pond. Um, and as she got out, she was like, wait, aren't I supposed to rest a day for every mile that I raced? What, you know, I shouldn't have been doing this. I should be sitting at home for 26 days. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That swim, that counted as recovery. <laughs> like, um, so thoughts on that? It, this is this is tricky for people because most people, when they come off a, of a race, they are very fit and they have this fear of losing that fitness. Yeah. So they want to jump right back into their training routine because most of us like that routine. It's it's our social connection to people. It's our normal. It makes us feel good. And so getting people to recover after a race can be very challenging. Um, but you really do have to recover and you can't use things like, well, I'm not sore or I'm not tired. Trust me, soreness is not an indicator that you worked hard or didn't work hard or that you're fit or not. Um, and, and, you know, the fatigue is often deep and you can't feel it or see it. So, you know, it, it depends on the, the age of the person and the intensity they went. But for something like a marathon, I do have my athletes not run for at least five to seven days mm -hmm. and to really limit the intensity for maybe another week or two beyond that, you know, do, keeping in mind that maybe you want to, you're in that sort of like danger zone for every mile you raced, I would consider it sort of a danger zone where mm. what you can do will probably hurt you more than help you. Mm. So, you know, doing a track workout, uh, a week after a marathon, probably not a good idea, right? You're, yeah. you're still recovering. Uh, your body is still healing. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I would encourage people, even though it's hard, it's hard to change up your routine to make sure you recover. And like you said, Sarah, recovery could be, it doesn't mean sitting on your couch. In fact, you shouldn't do that. That's a, that's a good way to sort of confuse your body and, and uh, make your recovery slower. So you want to do active recovery, things like swimming, uh, going for a walk, cycling, mm -hmm you know, low impact, low intensity activities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Yes, I was right. Uh, <laughs> well, and another thing, another, you were right. Well, <laughs> yes, you are right. So you can tell your friend that. But just to add on to what Elizabeth said, one of the things with recovery that is so important that we haven't mentioned yet is the mental, mental side of it. Yeah. So, you know, athletes go from race to race to race like Elizabeth said, try to stay on top of that fitness or I'm going to lose fitness. Well, first of all, we don't lose fitness quite that fast. It doesn't work quite like that. But the mental side, I think we underestimate how mentally taxing it is to get ourselves ready for these races. Just the amount of effort and time it takes to coordinate the children, to coordinate the daycare, the babysitting, the husband, the wife, the partner, whatever it is, and all of our fueling and all of our clothes, it's just, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're done with the race, not only physically do you need to rest, but you need to rest mentally. You need to go out with your friends. You need to go shop, you know, whatever your vice is. You need to do something that's not related to your sport and try to detox and unplug from it so that the mental side of you is fresh and able to go again. And I can't talk more about this. I mean, I can, I mean, it's just so important. I think it's just plays to a lot of longevity in the sport mm -hmm. to have for athletes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause I, I do think Liz, when you said that, uh, you know, Oh, we all like being on training programs. There is that. I love the, you know, prescribed, this is what I'm doing today. And very much, you know, there it's there in ink and that's what I'm going to do. 
But then there is that like, oh, okay, like got to crank the generator again today. Got to, got to, you know, get it, get it all going. And there it is, it's hard that little transition period of going off a training plan and, and kind of easing into more quote unquote regular life. But then once you can kind of get that, it, you realize that, oh yeah, that was kind of a, a heavy mental load that I was carrying around there. And it feels good to just kind of go out there and do what I want to do and, you know, ease back into things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else you think that we haven't covered about recovery? You know, we haven't talked about all of the different uh, products. Like there's a lot of products out there uh-huh. that I'm thinking of like, protein powders and, 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 you know, and supplements and things uh-huh. that claim to accelerate your recovery. Yeah. And I think it's just worth noting, like Jen said at the beginning of our talk, that nothing is better than the big three. So mm. that would be what you eat. So that includes, you know, what you're eating throughout the day before, during, after workouts, getting in proper hydration throughout the day. So ideally you are making PB every three hours throughout the day to, to suggest your hydration's on track. Of course, some of us go more often than that and sleep and anything else beyond that is icing on a cake. You know, you don't, you don't need it and it may or may not help. Um, but just as you start to like filter through, do I need this product? Do I need this recovery shake, protein powder, things like that? Just say, okay, how am I doing, first of all, with the big three? And if you're nailing those, then maybe consider branching out and trying some other things, but just really uh, manage those first three things the best you can. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, on that lovely note, we're going to end it. And always a delight to talk with the two of you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, just love the two of them. Just love them. Well, if now you're fired up maybe to uh, get on a training plan or maybe turn one of your friends on to becoming a runner or a trail runner or a cyclist, we have just the program for you. We are launching our second round of our Become a Runner, Become a Trail Runner, and Become a Cyclist series. It's an eight-week training program that kicks off on August 30th, and it is a group effort so that um, you're kind of all there doing the same eight-week program at the same time. So you get that community support and cheering. There's a private Facebook group for each of the um, uh, disciplines. And uh, then there's amazing swag like there is with all our Train Like a Mother Club programs. Uh, There's an incredibly cute statement tee that either says runner, trail runner, or cyclist in big, bold letters on it. Looks really good so you can, you know, proclaim to the world what you're becoming. So you can find all that on our new website, Another Mother Runner, and click on the training tab on the top, and you'll see the Become series is one of the drop-down menus. So again, anothermotherrunner.com. Check out the Become a Runner, Trail Runner, and Cyclist series. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Many happy miles.